Hello, friends. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Goo Goo. The Goo Goo Sleep Company makes great mattresses which help you sleep better. How do I know? Because I own one myself, and it's definitely one of the most comfortable beds I've ever slept on. It's a cool new concept, bed in a box. The bed arrives in a box, open it up, unseal the plastic wrap, and your awesome new Goo Goo mattress is ready to go. Sleep is super important for your health and well-being, and owning a Goo Goo mattress is one way to achieve that. Furthermore, Goo Goo is really affordable. They deliver free, have a 100-night sleep satisfaction guarantee, and now offer the Business and Beers podcast listeners a special deal. Go to gugu.jp, click on the Offer button and enter BB Japan for your 20% discount and get ready for sweet dreams. Better sleep, better you. Welcome to Business and Beers Japan. This episode, I speak with Michael Howard. He's the author of The Salary Man, an entertaining memoir about his experience working for not one, not two, but four. Japanese companies. His book is a humorous but very insightful journey through Tokyo middle class life and is a street level study of Japanese office culture. As someone who has also worked nearly 10 years for Japanese companies myself, we find a lot of common ground, swap some stories, and share a few laughs along with the beers. He's not only a great writer, but also a fantastic storyteller. You're especially going to love the story about his potentially scandalous second book. Get ready for the salary man. This is Mr. Michael Howard. That's the thing with Japanese companies is they, they really take a lot of your time, they take a lot of your energy, but they don't give back much in the terms of appreciation and salary, and most importantly, I think, career path. They ask you to buy in and just go along and, and trust that they're going to take care of you, but they don't know what, you don't know what that take care of you means. Right. Anyway, welcome, man. Sure. Yeah, you're not sure. nervous, are you? No, no. Probably, <laughs> though, it's my, uh, it's my first sort of podcast, probably, especially for the book. So that would be、uh, new territory for me. Well, but I've done a couple interviews with magazines. You got through the book? Yeah, I read the book. And then,、uh, in preparation for meeting you, I reread it again and took a few notes. Okay. And you're a good writer. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Did you study writing? Not formally.、Um, where the writing comes from, experience comes from, is I was a journalist. So I've been a journalist in Tokyo in a prior life. And then、yep. uh, I was a reporter in a newsroom at,、uh, in Los Angeles for a year, year and a half. So I guess that's where the. The writing and editing or self editing skills come into play here.、Yeah. There were so many things in your book that I could relate to because I've been in Japan for 30 years. What gave you an idea to write this book? So it, it actually happened organically. I took a journal for like three or four years, my first three or four years, just a journal every day almost of everything happening.、Yep. And then I turned that into a blog. Oh,、uh, really? Halfway through. I started up a blog called themannermode.com. Does it still exist? No, I shut it down when I decided to do the book. So I did get enough material onto that blog, and I established the partnership with that、uh, manga artist that I partnered with for the book. Okay, yep. 
So I found Raina. That's how the book started. It was just sort of a blog, sort of got it all on paper, got all the image, like sort of fine-tuned the, the way I work with the artists. So why did you shut down the blog? Why did you, because wouldn't, wouldn't one medium kind of support the other? Probably if I was a full-time writer, I could have supported both mediums. Like I could have been writing a book at the same time as uh, keeping a blog going to, you know, promote the book and sort of have the content evolve organically as you're writing the book. But yep. I had to pick my, uh, choose my time wisely when I was working 50, 60 hours a week, you know, and overseas travel. Yeah, you got your real life. You get your regular job that you're doing. Yeah. And so running a blog and writing the book. But after you wrote the book, then there's not, there's not much work to be done anymore, right? So why don't you... Yeah, great idea. Great point. I have a full-time job with an American company here. So I'm sort of picking what route I need to take here. Uh, find a publisher and then just sort of take the gloves off uh, and then hit social media and just go all out and be in a writer. Yeah. So I think the way I'm thinking about it is, is the approach is here's the book find an agent and then I have a whole second book in mind and this, this is sort of jumping back to your first question one reason I, I shut the down shut down the blog so my wife wouldn't find out my ex-wife I should say really uh, I, did, I did the blog without telling her I don't dive into what happened in my marriage too much in the book but I, I've lost those reservations a little bit um, that I had while I was writing it I allude to the divorce that I went through at the end of the book. So asking why you hid the blog from your wife, I mean, it's not like, you know, your your nighttime escapades blog. I mean, it's just a standard uh, run-of-the-mill yeah. cultural differences, funny yeah. anecdotal stories. That's nothing to hide from anybody, I would think. Yeah, I th it's probably more a reflection of just the one of the unique things that we had wrong with the relationship, the communication gap. That it was, I was married to a Japanese it was always the mentality, she had the mentality of like, why are you having such a, a tough time fitting in? Just fit in. What's wrong? And I'm like, you don't see too many other people trying to do that, do you? Work in a hardcore Japanese company like that. So I felt like there was no sympathy there. And I was just like, this, I'm going to use this purely as my own, uh, uh, what do you call it, psychotherapy through humor. Yep. And, uh, oh, oh, how dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Well, I have a clean coffee. <laughs> See, I brought a clean coffee for probably one of those reasons. <laughs> no well, worries. Luckily it, luckily, it was this way, so well, it didn't get in the pages. It just well, got on the top. Any well-read book has uh, earmarks and stains and uh, notes on it, right? That's a sign of respect. <laughs> sure enough. By the way, for those listening, that he just spilled a beer on on, on this. <laughs> This, this precious book that he was trying to talk about. Yes. All right. And I'm <laughs> yeah. always worried about spilling a drink on the computer, so I usually do keep the drinks. Still in that direction. Yeah, in that direction. Wham. Jesus. Electronics on the right side of the table. Suma said, I love your style, man, already. That's All right. perfect. So, uh, what were we talking about? Okay, <laughs> no. So we, I won't delve any more into uh, the personal stuff. I'm not. That's, that's, I'm not really. Yeah, you can you can ask questions. I might not answer all, but that's fine. No worries. I don't worry. How is the book doing? So it's. I'm selling a few copies a day through self marketing. Um, not a lot of. I mean, I have the occasional interview. It's doing really well for the for the lack of marketing that I've been doing. Okay. It. It's all been like word of mouth, friends colleagues that I, I give copies to, uh, occasional 
Q and A's. Yeah. I do interviews with like a Tokyo magazine or blog, and that's it. Like I, I don't have a social media platform. I've spent the first four months of this book being published, sort of learning how I'm going to market it going forward. Okay.、Um, a lot of people don't publish something until all those things are lined up and ready. I've got the podcast lineup. I've、yeah. got I've got the social media. I've got the、um, subscriber lists. Yeah. Now I'm going to publish. I was just like, no, no. I'm just gonna get it out there and see who my fans are. Get some signal from the audience on how people like it, and maybe I can. I have more time to invest now in a social media and proper proper Facebook fan pages. I published this through Kindle Direct Publishing, which is self publishing. It is paperback too, obviously. What you just spilled on was a paperback, but uh, it, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. Let's you know, independent authors just skip over the the need for a publisher. And I was going to ask about that.、Um, it's a pretty simple tool. You have a manuscript that you've written in Word. Word is fine. There's no requirements as far as length or professionalism or anything. I mean, you can self-publish anything on there pretty much within certain limits. And yeah, I I, I did tons of self-editing, of course, and. I hired a company to make it look good as far as the format, like ebook conversion companies.、I、hired the artist, of course. Book. I, I hired a book cover designer too. So there is a certain. Like, you don't have to do all those things to publish on、yeah. KDP. We call it Kindle Direct Publishing. But yeah, it was self-published. And、uh, oh, that's great, man! I, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, that's that's an an amazing thing that's happened in the last. I'd say five, ten years is、um, direct publishing to be able to get something that looks professional like that. I know a few people that have published books in Japan, and they tell they tell me their story about you know how difficult it was to find a publisher and、yeah. then the publishing houses. You know, you don't make any money for publishing in Japan for the most part because、no. the, between the publisher and the bookstores and you know the printer and all that kind of stuff, you only end up making just you know pennies per copy that you sell. Yeah, KDP Kindle Direct Publishing, seventy percent royalty. I get seventy percent by being exclusive through them. If I wanted to sell on Barnes and Noble and other like、uh, channels of ebook distribution, then I couldn't do that. I get thirty, something like thirty or thirty-five percent royalty through、uh, Kindle Direct.、Okay. It was a simple way for me to just say maximize the royalty, learn how to market on the go, fine-tune the book a little bit because I, I do think like there's some parts. It's a true memoir. But I, I just alluded to divorce, and there's some other things I went through working Japanese companies. So you still have more stories and anecdotal、oh. uh, episodes to, to share. There is. I don't know if I would have wanted to wait for the second or third beer for this one, but there, there's a whole story I have I didn't put in there. Yeah. Because it was almost too big that it would have taken over the book. It would have like stood out and been whoa. That that is something that is more than a chapter. I like this. I,、um, like, I like where this is going. Maybe a second book. The second book is is pulling out a story from one of these companies I was at. I alluded to. I had a something I didn't put in this、sure. because it was too big for that book、uh, for the salary man. Where one of the companies I was at, I had to work with a guy who was sort of a yakuza connected guy. Connected,、You're、connected, connected the, guy. Okay, yeah. Connected to the rackets here. Yeah.、Um, way more common than、um, an American would expect、sure. in everyday life. A company I was at, I was working in one of their sub- small, small subsidiaries, run by a guy who had a lot of illegitimate income, and was connected 
all the way to the top of the company. I was right in this guy's life every day. Is this a safe book for you to write? I have a pen name. The guy died. He's not alive anymore, so libel. You can throw that out the window. Okay. I'll fictionalize the name. I'll make sure. it, it'll be a, it'll be a fi- uh, fiction book. Okay. I will. It's based on a true story. As my style is, it's more humorous. The story doesn't have it too much darkness in it. Okay. Other than what this guy was sort of bilking out of the out of the. But it's enough company. content for an entire book. What happens here is I found myself working for a publicly traded American company in Japan. So I did one of these stops was with technically an American company okay. that I was at, but it was a hundred percent Japanese subsidiary. So it meaning the parent company in the U.S. owned them, but they were operating totally independently of that parent company, and okay. they could, for example, establish subsidiaries in Japan only that were off the balance sheet, so to speak, and the parent company never heard of, never saw it. There was some very lazy... Wow, this sounds cool. Holy cow, scandalous. They were not watching things carefully enough, and they had had some scandal already in Japan. And this was another example of it, and it will fill up a whole book because I traveled the world with this guy. Did he let you in on his secrets and exactly what he was doing, or was he keeping it a little bit in the background? No, he he didn't let on anything, but... All his underlings just sort of joked about it openly. Okay. Once you started going to dinner with them, or like, oh, they would go, oh yeah, yeah, he's connected. He, so if you go out drinking with him, and put no. a few shochus in him, he doesn't start to. Well, you he know. didn't. Yeah, he 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 was very. He held himself. You could tell he had a. This was a guy who carried himself like he was connected. He, okay. he had so much. He was he was the anti-salary man. He was like this guy who was mannered enough, but for example, we would walk through a crowded Megaro station and a salaryman would be sidestepping people and sumimasen and if they're bumping into somebody, you know, very mannered and, and polite in the way you're in public. He would stroll and walk through a station like that and see a little kid walk by and pat him on the head and keep strolling and walk. He had this like smoothness and confidence and like lack of humility. Yeah. But it wow. didn't have a an arrogance right out front in your face too yeah. much. But he just had this 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 uh, life force that was very anti-salary man. He was not worried about adhering to uh, company cultures yep. or reporting to somebody. He had not been pounded down. He had not been he had been a nail that sticks out his whole life. But he had never been pounded down, I think. And nice. uh, So he was just very different. But I ended up hating him in some ways, too. Um, because I couldn't blow a whistle. And I wanted to badly. I really, really went down the rabbit hole of investigating whether I should blow the whistle. And I ended up deciding not to. Um, but that was a very pressurized decision um, to do that. Oh wow! So you found it out. You had, you had the info that they wanted, but you were you had a personal dilemma on whether to. I was just a I was a rank and file, Seishine employee with two kids, and a hate. lot to lose. I just decided to leave the company. That's yeah. all I did. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears here a little bit uh, before we go too deep on that one. I'll let you save it for the yeah for the book. The whole overall theme of your book, and I think the. 
probably most people that read your book that really clicks with them is your discussion about manner mode. Yeah. We all know what manner mode is, but we describe it differently. I always explained it. When you speak with Japanese, a lot of times they say things like these broad statements, oh, we Japanese never do A. Yeah. Or, oh, in Japan, we always do B. So you're speaking for the entire population of Japan, but Japanese say that all the time. Oh, yeah. And for foreigners, it's a little bit annoying. How, how broad can you be? But at the same time, it's enlightening into their, their psyche and their culture. It's almost like there's a book out there called How to Be Japanese, that secret yeah, that, right. that we foreigners have never read or we've never seen. Yeah, exactly. And Japanese will flip it on, flip it on you. I guess this is the annoying part, actually is they'll say, well, in the U.S., do all Americans do it like this? Or yeah, is it right. true that in America, Americans all do that? Right. I'm like, of course it's not true. I mean, but you succinctly kind of sum it up in this manner mode. Yeah, that was the purpose of it, was to try to concisely give it a term so I didn't repeat throughout the book 50 times and, and call it 50 different things. Manners or uh, etiquette or like the way they do things there are so many ways to just describe what you're talking about right. and I just said give it a name refer to it throughout the book at, in that name and Perfect. that'll just that's it Perfect. clean and it makes <laughs> sense that your blog was called mannermode.com right perfect why do you think all Japanese instinctively know manner mode I think it starts yeah, just simply in the childhood of you know grade school where they're, they're going they get out of kindergarten and they enter grade school and then by fourth grade, fifth grade maybe, uh, they're already getting into like having to choose cram school and prepare for juken. These, this like major life decision comes on them so quickly. Yeah. I think they get regimented in their time management where there's not a lot of freelancing with their time. There's no janitors in Japanese schools yeah. because the students, they have this routine where they clean the classrooms, they clean the hall, not with a mop, they have to get down on their hands oh, yeah. and knees and, 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 you know... It's sort of a minimalist, uh, like, culture in that way for kids. Like, the, the schools are pretty Spartan. These public schools in Japan, yeah. uh, there's not a lot of uh, fancy concert halls for kids. Or, no. like, there's not a huge green fields for them to play on. It's very... Dirt field. Yeah, they're building humility throughout the process. Right? And there's nothing wrong or right about it. It's just the way it is. Building um, humility. I like that. Yeah. And, and it's very minimalist in a lot of ways. And I think humility is, is probably what is one of the things at the root of calling it manner mode. I think the, the Japanese education system teaches Japanese how to be Japanese, and the cram schools teach them the education they need to graduate. Yeah, yeah, right. Study as well, of course, in school, but I think there's more I, subconscious manner mode teaching in school. I didn't dive to, like, I didn't get into calling myself a philosopher when I created the, the name Manner Mode. I was purely like comparing, everything I tried to do in the book was take it from the point of view of what I, what I grew up with. I didn't want to dive too deep into Japanese culture because I'm not an expert in, in Japanese culture. Um, I'm not fluent in Japanese. So when I went with Manner Mode in the introduction, I introduced it, I quickly tried to pivot it and say, here was my Manner Mode. My brother dropping firecrackers right. off off the porch and calling yeah. the game Vietnam. Yeah, uh, shenanigans. And and and, the vacu and vacuuming the dog's vomit with a, with a uh, you know with a vacuum cleaner, and uh, me watching Bulls games you know 
when other kids in Japan were in cram school, I was watching you know, Skinamax movies on cable TV and watching Bulls games and, yeah. and Jordan. And so, I mean, there's manner mode. I was not learning how to behave. I was learning how to misbehave uh, as a proper pre-teenager in the 80s and 90s. And I just feel in Japan, they're way more serious. Uh, uh, and I'm not everyone, but in the, as a mainstream, uh, way more pressure to be behaved and, and yeah, Japan's interesting that way. <laughs> You've got a lot of great examples that you went through. What were your positive takeaways from working at Japanese companies? I do think they're um, they're able to buy into concept of, of the we rather than the me just more into, uh, intuitively that, that just results in probably a, I don't know just a more uh, Idiska <laughs> or uh, what do you want I'll get a beer, a beer. Uh, yeah. for beer there are gives me time to think about that one six selections uh, Corona Corona uh, Positives of working in a Japanese company. Boy, this actually this one, I, I could give you the, the you know the tatemai answer, but I, I didn't really find too many positives. Of, uh, <laughs> I learned Japanese. I'll put it that way. Okay. I learned uh, a ton of Japanese. It did force me. I do think when it's easy to, at some point, get lazy and say. I'm gonna try to find a niche here where I don't have to go too far outside my comfort zone because I'm a middle-aged guy now. I'm through. I'm, I, I don't have the energy to learn too much. I need to earn and not learn, um, and that, that's sort of where you find yourself a lot of the time. It did force me to learn by being in a Japanese company. Okay. Another way to do things. How old were you the first time you joined a Japanese company? Let's see what was I? It was 2008, so 33. Okay, it's little. You so you already had a career before yeah. coming here. Okay, that's interesting. My first experience or first exposure to Japan was when I was 16. I came here for just one month as an exchange program. Oh, I see. Okay. Then when I graduated high school, I came to Japan. I lived here for almost two years, uh, studying Japanese. I was working as an English teacher. As a teacher, I wasn't working at an English school. I was working at companies. So. Okay. After after our, our classes, and this is during the bubble period. This is down in Osaka. Oh, teaching salarymen in the bubble period. Oh exactly. My gosh. Yeah. After our classes, we would go to these snacks. We would go to these <laughs> bars. Oh sure. And it was it was just oh, amazing. It was fascinating. Oh. It was such a, a insight, a glimpse into this Japanese salaryman culture. That's that's Camelot for for salarymen. The bubble period, right? You right. Know, right. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, a, a Camelot. So I was 18, 19 years old, and then when I graduated university, I came here and worked for a Japanese company when I was 23. Similar to you, I've worked a few years in Japanese companies. Not a lot of positives to take away from it. Yeah. Positives in the, in, the, in the way of personal growth or professional growth, definitely not. But I was glad that I did it at a young age because it... it the biggest takeaway I think both of us would have, or any foreigner working at a Japanese company, is you really learn a lot about Japanese culture, yeah. business culture. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, it's not our culture, and we learn something from it. You got a book out of it. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going to go. Is I never wouldn't have had the uh, uh, creative impulse 
to not creative and the uh, the the tension that yeah. helps you the friction to to lead to something that that leads to a book. Now I cherish my experience that I had at a Japanese company. I worked three years for a Japanese department store, and then I worked another three years for a Japanese publishing company. I had some great, great experiences, but at the end of the day, there was no career path、yeah. at either one of those companies for、yeah. me. I was in the manufacturing industry, so these are of, of all the kinds of companies you can go work for, some of the most traditional that you will ever find. Um, because you're talking about quality control and traditional products and supply chains that are just decades and decades of relationships behind them. And those are the industries that brought Japan out of the ashes of、yes. World War II. Yes. So in a way, that is Japan's pride is manufacturing. Yeah. And that's where that character who flicks the cigarette or, and and blows the smoke at us in disgust came from. That, that era. What, what was his name? We might reference him a few more times, so let's give him a name. The carnivore. The carnivore. Okay, so the carnivore. The carnivore to the herbivore man,、yes. if you will.、Yeah. Uh, he was, still is a, a, a senpai, you know, mentor. This guy was a, an unbelievable engineer, an audio engineer. He, I mean, he designed one of the first home in-home karaoke systems for one of the major brands here. You worked for four Japanese companies. Cheers, Cheers man. For、uh, about eight or nine years, yeah. Are you a masochist or something? I mean, come on. I mean, after the first one, after the second one, after the third one, it's kind of like meeting a girl, and you find out she's been divorced four times.、Uh, run to the hills. This is. I, I got into this half mad groove of when you start having kids, and then you start at all costs saying I'm going to be stable for them. And not move them across across the world,、um, where I don't have a job lined up anyway.、Yeah. Uh, back to the U.S., for example, and where you have a spouse at the time, as I had, who was not supportive of doing that, wanted to stay in Japan、um, at all costs, almost to my、yeah. sanity. Even、uh, I just sort of, well, you got a couple choices to make there. <laughs>、um, I just I don't know what what happened. I, I lost my my identity or my my. Sense of reality, um, what I could do probably if I was back in the U.S.、Yep. Um, sanity, but the first, the first one was not so much my fault. The, I had to leave because I was a Kaokshine contract worker, right? And, and、uh, second year didn't get renewed because Lehman shock happened. The company was cutting yeah, off、sure. all contract workers. Yeah, I could have moved back clean at that time, but my、uh, my wife at the time was pregnant, and so I just. I just said no. I'm going to double down and try to find something、sure. here. I was half joking about the masochist thing, so. Oh,、no、it was absolutely though, a lot of pain. Yeah. Man,、sure. you got so much good content for your book and possibly books. I think maybe Jerry Seinfeld was referring to this a couple times, where he goes, "I'm purely here for the material."、Uh, when he sits down at a party or something like、yeah. that, it's full of people he doesn't want to be around. At some point, I thought of it as a silver lining. That was that was definitely happening here when the blog started, the Manor Mode blog started、uh, resonating with all my friends and, and, and people were were talking about it. No, I, I I did think my salary was usually going up at each stop. Right,、so、that's that, important. That was yeah, it was definitely a a trend line that I, I liked to see.、Um, mm-hmm. I had a second kid in the middle of all that, and I was doing an MBA too. Throw that in there. Washington State University. That's right. You're from Seattle, so go Cougars. 
I threw that in there as another way to like stave off boredom um, that happens in this motivational vacuum you enter when you wow. go into a Japanese company yeah. compared to a, a Western venture like I was used to in LA. I moved from an environment that was like Silicon Valley style to very traditional Japanese business style、yeah. within a month. And that's quick. That is a, a complete change of venue and, and, and just your way of thinking and, and acting. And a huge void emerges after a little while of, of motivation and, and like role and,、yeah. and point of doing things. And so I, I, I filled that void with a lot of things. Okay.、Yeah. So、you seem like a pretty happy go lucky, positive thinking, big smile, ganky type of a guy. I know. And it, it didn't wane because I met some great people along the way. So, these, what I tried to bring out in the book was these aren't all like、uh, the salary man is not a, a drone that has the same personality as you、right. go from one guy to another.、Yeah. Not at all.、Um, each of them are like as varied and can be as funny and interesting as anyone you'd ever meet.、Um, it's finding that, that soul that、yeah. can be hard. And you gotta, you gotta like sacrifice your liver. In a lot of cases, to get to that. <laughs> and,、uh, yeah. and I did. I made some great friends, including the carnivore、yeah. and, and many other characters. I,、uh, learned, I learned to like cold sake and I learned to like shochu、oh. through my numerous nights out drinking with my Japanese colleagues in the Japanese companies. Oh, yes. You learn a, a, just a brilliant array of alcohol you never would have thought of consuming. Like, shochu is. It continues to be one of my. That was, you, mentioned, you asked me what are the great things, I've, what are some of the good things I learned at a Japanese company. Shochu, what, what good shochu is, and was, was an awesome takeaway from、uh, that period. A little beer? Yeah. Anything? Modelo? Modelo is Ah, here we go. Modelo, this is a pretty good beer. Cheers. We are currently at Hacienda in Daikanyama. Yes. And you've never been here before, right? Never. How is the food here? Food here is very good. We can drink on a, on a podcast, we, but we can't eat on、oh, a yeah, podcast. So、sense. when we're done, we'll have some nachos. What's fantastic about this place, a wonderful terrace、okay. where you can sit outside. They even have a little fire going out there.、Oh, nice, really? There were a few、um, stories in your book that I literally cracked up laughing. And the onsen one was one where you went with your son. And you talk about the fishbowl. I'll read it. I've gotten somewhat used to the fishbowl feeling by now, but one particular time when I went to the onsen, my son snatched my fig leaf. Fig leaf, I guess you refer to the teeny small little towel that you use to cover. Adam and Eve. Cover yourself,、leaf. yes.、Uh, snatched my fig leaf from me and ran, utterly exposing me. In the merciless daylight, this started a cartoonish sequence where everyone watched a naked, embarrassed white man angrily chase his laughing son around with his junk flopping up and down and all over. At this point, I almost fell into Homer mode. Homer、nice. Simpson? Yeah, yeah. great quote. And about to say to hell with Tokyo and its overcrowded onsen, but as always, my fishbowl fever vanished the moment I got into the water. That's the power of Japanese hot spring. The more stressed out, And crazy you feel, the more it rewards you. It instantly boomerangs you back to sanity. Onsens, they're awesome, aren't they? It's a、yeah, perfect example. It's the example, I think, that conceptualizes that you're so bored and frustrated in these jobs 
and there's all these services waiting for you to take you back to sanity. And that one is, the onsens is one of their many powers. I never realized that. I've lived in Japan 30 years, but yeah, when you mention it about going into the izakaya, going to the onsen, you can kind of be on cruise control a little bit and people take care of you. Oh yeah. That was a very good uh, example. One thing I have never mastered in Japan is the art of the nap. <laughs> I've never been able to, even today when I'm on a train or wherever and I still see it, I still look at that and go, wow. Yeah. But you I, mastered it. I mastered it at that time, but I, it's, it's like a, a muscle. If you, don't, if you don't use it, you know, you lose it. I'm not a good napper anymore. I, I had that period where I, I, I did it to survive. I mean, public transportation, Japanese literally fall asleep in any moving vehicle, whether it be oh, yeah. buses, trains, planes, automobiles, whatever. It's like instantaneous yeah. la-la land for them. So how is now working for a foreign-affiliated company in Japan? How is that different from working for a Japanese company? I still still see like remnants of it. Everything's in English. So that part of it is there's just way more transparency oh, sure. yeah. in the language itself. I think Japanese by nature is the language is not very transparent sometimes. Definitely it's, not. It's flowery and sort of has a ceremonial feel to it a lot of the time. So now that's removed and I feel like there's a lot more transparency and just everything written. But I still feel remnants of that culture in, for example, meetings. Oh, whenever, yeah. whenever I'm in a meeting where I'm the only foreigner, and it's it's Japanese and me, and the meeting is set for an hour, but we're basically done after 20 minutes or 30 minutes, nobody wants to say, "Oh, okay, we're done here." No, let's call it short. We're done. Nobody wants to step up and say that. There's like this, yeah. there's a formality there. Wait a second. We set the meeting for an hour. Why isn't it going for an hour? Yeah. If we cut it short and then something goes wrong, someone will say. Why did you cut that meeting short? You, that's why something went wrong. So there's this bad meeting of a, of a birdie that goes around for 30 minutes yeah. around the main topic. And so that, I still notice, goes on no matter where you are. The, the meeting culture, yeah. it, it feels productive because you're having a yes. you know, quote-unquote meeting for sure. So you won't escape that even if you're working in an, like an American company here like I am. I can see that. Well, I work for a, a German company. And Germans are a lot like Japanese in terms of their attention to detail and risk adverseness and all this. But the big difference is that Germans have accountability. And meetings with Germans are, are quite productive because they're very detail-oriented, but they have an agenda. But most importantly, they keep minutes of the meeting. Good habit. So there's a lot of follow-up to these meetings. And there's accountability if you don't follow up. And these are the timelines, and these are the action points. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. In Japan, you just don't have that. Oh, yeah. Giving clear, defined responsibilities and accountability, the ambiguity of roles. Yes. Is yes. a huge part of salaryman culture. Drives you crazy. Um, it's all groupthink, and, and you're, it's design. It's by design to avoid well, that. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Every, nobody is responsible, but everybody is responsible. Yeah. Right. Every, that's why you have everyone has the hanko. Oh my God, who's responsible for this? And you look at the, <laughs> like the process sheet, and you know, and, and there's 20 people that put their hanko on it. So hey, they're all responsible. Yes. Yes. 
Yep. Did you have any alternate titles for your book? Well, the one, a lot of people told me to get rid of the and just call it Salary Man. So that one I wavered on for a little bit. Yeah. I, I thought if, I don't know, I, I just always had the there. And I think I wanted to call myself the Salary Man, but I wanted to leave it open enough where we're talking about the Salary Man breed also. So yep. it's all-encompassing. And, and losing the, I think it lost that all-encompassing feel. See, you didn't want to use the manner mode, like manner mode, how to survive working at a Japanese company or something like that. That was, that was the only other title in the, in the running. But I didn't think it was descriptive enough. And Westerners are pretty familiar with what the term salaryman oh, means. Sure. So it was just way more descriptive for somebody who was just browsing yep. to quickly catch their eye. Manner mode didn't have any context for yep. most Westerners. So. This is true. <laughs> One thing that I, I can't, uh, that was addictive in this book writing process yeah. was the partnership collaboration with the manga artist. Absolutely hilarious to see her visually deliver what I was trying to describe as my, like, my stubbing my toe incidents. Trying to get as much detail accurate there as possible on the situation. Yeah. I mean, like me trying to get into the uh, Denki Buro yes. um, without frying my, my gonads, you know, and like, yeah. it's just, uh, she's very Japanese and she's, right. she's trying to like um, protect me almost in, at first in her first drafts of the, of the, the cartoons. And yeah. I said, just don't worry about my uh, uh, shaming me. Like this book is all about shaming myself and, no, and, and showing my, my faults. Going from a U.S. medical um, experience to a Japanese one in a Japanese company. Yeah, wonderful. You're, you're, it is wonderful in a lot of ways. There's a lot of preventative testing that goes on. You're getting like you know stomach cancer testing when you're in your early 30s for God's right. sake, which is just unbelievable. But then again, there's the lack of privacy that you get for that service. So as right. long as you're willing to like let everyone know your your disease yep. uh, in a waiting room. You will get these amazing um, socialized medicine perks. Yeah. But you got to swallow that medicine to get that, that sure. benefit. <laughs> Have you ever been hospitalized or had any serious illnesses in Japan? Knee surgery. So the book talks about the. Um, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. I tore my meniscus yeah. playing basketball, had knee surgery, and did it all the way as a normal Japanese would. I just sure. I share. I had the surgery at a public hospital and shared a recovery room with eight other recovering 75 to 85 year old uh, Japanese men and I was separated by a shower curtain for yeah. six days of overnight stay oh, for, man. for a meniscus surgery which would have been outpatient in the US <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I mean I was begging to get out after four days and they wouldn't let me out and it was just I, and, my, and my wife wouldn't at the time wouldn't come get me either she was just like uh, no just wait and that's like this place is driving me crazy. It was just unbelievable. I, I, yeah, I got an IV infection, and I started getting a fever. Oh, no. Yeah, you wrote um, about that in your book, yeah. And the nurse comes in and goes, oh, I got to give you a shot to um, reduce your fever because of this IV infection, which she had given me. But Although that, that could happen in any hospital. But I didn't understand what she's talking about. Where are you going to get the shot? Oh, on my butt cheek? Okay. I turn over and feel her like grasping around the area. No, she was talking about in my my uh, inside the uh, oh in nice. in my ass, not on my ass. So I missed that that grammar point of Japanese. 
so while I'm expecting her to sort of somehow land somewhere on the on the butt cheek, right? Uh, no, I landed somewhere squarely in a little more sensitive zone in that region. Damn, the eagle landed pretty pretty forcefully, and uh, that was the hospital stays full of those moments. That's the thing with Japanese companies is they yeah they really take a lot of your time, they take a lot of your energy. But they don't give much. They don't give back much in the terms of appreciation and salary, and most importantly, I think, career path. Yeah, they they ask you to buy in and just go along and and trust that they're gonna take care of you. But they don't know what you don't know what that take care of you means. Right. And you have, I think, as a Westerner, you do have motivations, personal motivations, a little more on your mind. Sure, of course. By instinct, by upbringing. That's it's no fault of their own for not recognizing that, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, no fault of their own. That's 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 the, that is the way I I, I I glean I have a much the same outlook as you. Like <clears throat> I don't have like uh, bad feelings about these guys, these men that hired me yeah. personally. I think business wise they're not very smart, a lot of them. I don't I think they could use an MBA or some some sort of mechanism to modernize. <clears throat> but they were very honest and ethical, and uh, except over- for the yakuza guy. <laughs> except for the yakuza guy, that one was the exception to the rule. It would be a wrong conclusion to say I'm bitter that uh, I ended up going through that four-year four-company process. You don't yeah. seem bitter, and your book doesn't come out come off as you being bitter at good, all. Good, good. I don't know if I want to say celebrates the differences, but it it just paints these differences in. In an interesting light, so yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah. I try to. It's honest. Honestly, that is my way of thinking: is to try to like be middle. I'm not a fanboy of Japanese culture. I, I like it here. I love. I love a lot. A lot of things about Japan, but I right. recognize my inability to fit in here is a lot of my own doing or where I came from. Any any way that I failed to fit in is equally my fault as it is Japan's just quirky ways maybe or whatever I paint in the book 50-50 could you ever work for a Japanese company ever again I wouldn't categorically say no to that yeah I think now you have so much uh, more joint venture kind of things going on in technology companies where I where I live what are you you thinking about Uh, something a little margarita sounds good yeah well two of those yeah Nice. There is no tequila called ca- ca- Casablanca. <laughs> uh, Michael, I think uh, we might as well wrap this up. Yeah, that's Are been you, great. Any, anything else you want to talk about? No, no, I think I'm good. Well, thanks for coming, man. Cheers. Thank you. All right, Enjoy rock it. on. Thanks. And that, my friends, was Michael Howard. I highly recommend his book, The Salary Man, for both its humor and cross-cultural insights. It's really a great read, and it can be found at Amazon. This wraps up another episode of Business and Beers Japan. Domo arigato for listening, and catch you next time. Thanks, everyone.